Welcome to the Counting Stats Podcast. I'm your host, Lou Landers, Director of MLB Content at DrRoto.com. Follow me on Twitter at Landers Talks and follow the podcast at Counting Stats Pod. Last episode I did, I broke down a 15-team mock draft, went over all my picks and why. Got a little bit into my TGFBI draft thus far, but now we are through 10 rounds, or we're actually in the 10th round. I've made 10 picks uh, with the 15th pick overall. I ended the 9th round and started the 10th round, but I want to kind of go through my picks, talk about my build, why I took these players, and kind of the things I should be looking for later on down the line because we still got 20 rounds to go. A lot of the teams are going to look good through the first 10 rounds, maybe even through the first 15 to 18 rounds. It's how you select those players in the mid to late rounds uh, can kind of make or break you because, again, everyone's good um, early on and um, until injuries hit, you really don't know who's the best of the best. Of course, there's some teams that might have too much power, not enough uh, stolen bases or average. There might be guys with lots of strikeouts, but bad ratios. There might be guys with not a lot of saves, so on and so forth. So there are things, obviously, that can hurt you early, but overall, it's kind of how you go about filling out the rest of your roster once you have your main core. But I started with the 15th pick, and I really wanted Ozzy Albies to fall to me. I've talked on a few podcasts already that Ozzy Albies, to me, is one of those guys that um, is going in the, you know, 12 to 15 range, but could arguably be a top six or seven pick with the power, the counting stats, and the stolen bases. He ended up going at 14. I got sniped there, but my plan was... Albies Devers at 15 16. So I went with Devers and then I had a tough choice because I had my next choice of basically everyone else, whether it be Luis Robert, Walker Bueller, Tim Anderson, Freddie Freeman. I wasn't going to go with Machado because I didn't want to clog up the corner infield spot that quickly with already having Devers. I could have gone starting pitcher, but instead I went for an upside play. And there's some risk because he missed a lot of time last year. But I ended up going with Mike Trout. And of course, Mike Trout basically has always been a top four or five pick since his first full season in the big leagues. So getting him 16th overall could be a massive win if he can remain healthy. There's never been an issue with Trout's ability to produce. It's really just about if he can be on the field. And obviously with all the injuries last year and the setbacks, there is risk that is worrisome. But if he even plays 110, 120 games this year, you know it's going to be elite production. And 16th overall seems like a great grab there. So I got Devers and Trout. And let's just say 160 games apiece. We're looking at potentially close to 75 to 80 home runs. Uh, over 200 runs, over 200 RBIs, and between a 280 and 290 overall batting average. So I have everything I could possibly want offensively except for stolen bases. When it came around to me again in round three, I decided I would take a closer because we had already seen some closers go with Hayter and Hendricks earlier in the round, and I knew that if I did not take a closer this time around, I was going to have to wait 30 picks. And chances were I was not going to get one of the top guys, the built-in save guy. So I went with Rysel Iglesias. There's arguments to be made for Classe or Presley, Chapman, etc. But 
Glacius is built in for saves with the Angels. Um, whether or not the ratios are going to be as good as you would hope for, maybe there's a little bit of, of issues there. But overall, I mean, we could look at a Glacius and probably expect anywhere from 30 to 40 saves. I mean, uh, you look at his past three full seasons, 30 saves, 34 saves, 34 saves. Prior to that, 28 saves. So this is a guy that is basically 30 plus saves locked in. There's only a handful of guys who are going to do that. So I really liked him in the third round. Followed that up with um, Francisco Lindor. And Lindor had a really tough year his first year with the New York Mets. And only in September did he really start to pick things up. But this is a guy that was also a former first round pick um, quite recently, uh, prior to the 2020 shortened season, this was a guy that had three straight years of 30-plus homers. Um, he had 99 runs, 129 runs, and uh, 101 runs. So this was a guy that was putting up a lot of runs. Uh, he was hitting at the top of the order, remember, with Cleveland, but still had uh, pretty good RBI production, 75 to 92 range every single year, it seemed. And he was stealing bases, 15, 25, and 22 before the short season. So this is a guy that essentially could be a 25 homer, 20 stolen base, 30 homer, 20 stolen base caliber player. And you're getting him in the fourth round uh, like I did. Really exciting stuff there, especially because he's also always hit for average until the 2020 shortened season and then his first year with the Mets. This is a guy that could have tremendous earning potential and I also needed a guy who could start to chip in with some steals as I mentioned it was one thing I did not have so I took Lindor in the fourth round with the first pick I then had to wait again another 30 picks I saw a lot of good starting pitchers going um, even the guys who were low-end SB1s potentially certainly high-end SB2s in this round specifically before I took Cease Gosman went, Musgrove went, Lance Lynn, Charlie Morton, Max Reed, Jose Barrios. So all these guys going, I knew I needed to grab a starting pitcher, and Dylan Cease was my guy. Big fan of his. Huge strikeout numbers last year from Cease. Only getting better. Uh, could end up being the ace of this White Sox staff when it's all said and done. Everyone looks at Lucas Giolito. Uh, I'm looking at Cease as that guy. 226 strikeouts to so just 165 innings. Uh, if he bumps that up to 175 innings, 180, 185 type of innings, he might have 250 plus strikeouts. The ERA was sub four, should certainly improve as he continues to improve as a pitcher. The whip, 1.25. Not great, but not too high either. Uh, if he gets that down even into the one. 0.18, 1.19 range. It's already looking better, uh, but certainly feeling very good about Dylan Cease as my SP1. Mentioned I wanted steals. Well, one of the top steals guys on the board was Tommy Edmond of the Cardinals. And what I also like about Edmond is he has the second base and outfield eligibility. Uh, second base is a really deep position this year, but outfield, there's five spots and you always seem like, oh, there's going to be a lot of outfielders. By the time you get to round 18 or 19, it gets really thin out there if you want quality players. So when I had the opportunity to take Tom Yedman there and use him, at least for now in the outfield, maybe move to second base eventually, I went and I did that. And he might only hit me anywhere from, you know, 10 to 15 homers or so. I would take 10. But the stolen base potential he has is amazing. He had 30 a year ago. I think he's good for at least 20. Uh, I mean, in 2020, it wasn't a lot of steals from him, but 
these former uh, full season prior to that in 92 games as a platoon or not everyday player. He did steal 15. So you can expect 20 plus from him. He's also a guy who could hit anywhere from 260 to 280. Um, He's going to score a lot of runs. So he's a guy I definitely like certainly light on the power but I had a lot of power already with Lindor, Devers, and Trout and they need those stolen bases. The one key thing is not to put all your eggs in one basket with the stolen base guys. So I had maybe if I'm lucky 10 from Devers and Trout but another 10 to 15 certainly from Lindor is going to make a big difference there. With that already in place I felt pretty good about knowing having Edmund Lindor's good base of steals through the first six rounds. Then, of course, Logan Webb goes. So more starting pitchers start to go. Flaherty, Montas, Trevor Rogers, Darvish, Luis Castillo, Alec Manoa, Blake Snell. And it comes to me, and I know, again, if I don't take an SP2 here, I'm going to have to wait a long time, and I'm going to end up having to choose between guys that either have high ratios, injury risk, or they're unsigned, whatever it might be. So I went with Shane McClanahan. Uh, He was excellent last year in his rookie season with Tampa Bay Rays. you got to love the way the Rays develop pitching. He's just 24 years old. I think he's got a really good opportunity to take another step forward uh, this season. Uh, I actually predicted him as the AL Cy Young Award winner. It's one of my bold predictions this year for the DrRoto.com Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide. A really good young pitcher and a guy that I feel good about as my SP2. Uh, certainly mixing him in with Cease and then, of course, with uh, Glacius in the uh, back end of the bullpen. Glacius, over the past couple years, has had good ratios. So that's another thing to try and keep balance down. Because one misconception with saves is, sure, you might be able to get some saves later on. Um, Firstly, you're going to have to take a lot of chances on spec guys and you could totally miss, or you're going to have to spend a lot of fab um, during the season. But those guys are also likely going to have higher ratios. ERAs in the fours, whips fairly high, and that's why they're not locked in as closers. So it's one thing to get a guy that you know is going to give you those 30-plus saves barring injury. It's another thing to get that guy and have him have good ratios. So that's another thing on the saves. Uh, but let me move forward rather than backwards. So after the McClanahan pick, I wanted to add some power because I had just taken Tom Yadman as my last hitter. And as I mentioned, the speed is there, the power is not. So I went with Jared Walsh, who to me is the best first baseman after pick 100. Uh, There's a lot of early first baseman and there's a lot of late first baseman, but Walsh can hit for average, which is something a lot of people seem to forget about they need to draft. Uh, People kind of just ignore batting average sometimes and it could really hurt them. Walsh hit 293 in 2020, hit 277 a year ago. Even if he falls to 270, I would be very happy with that considering he's a 30 homer type of player with a 100 RBI type and had 70 runs last year. Imagine how much better he could be in a lineup that could have Trout and Rendon in it all season long. We could be looking at a guy with 30 homers, 105 to 110 RBIs, 270 average, 80 plus runs. A very, very good production from Jared Walsh at the first base position. So I feel really good about that. Then, of course, we see some closers go, some starters go, and... All of a sudden, I come back, and 
I keep thinking, I need some stolen bases still. I need some power still. I don't want to hurt my batting average either. Trying to kind of balance everything. This season, I'm really trying to go with the approach of taking guys who are athletic, who can kind of do a little bit of everything. I also, of course, love positional eligibility. I mentioned it with Edmund. So I went after Chris Taylor, outfielder for the Dodgers. He has second base shortstop and outfield eligibility. He's a guy who can steal anywhere from 9 to 13 or 14 bases, can hit 17 to 22 homers. He's going to hit at least 250, but has hit you know in the 270 range in the past. He's going to score a lot of runs, could drive in a lot of runs in that Dodgers lineup. He could play anywhere on the field. He's going to play every day. And with Seager gone, with injury issues, with Muncie and a DH coming to the National League, he's going to be an everyday player. And he's going to rack up counting stats. He's going to get you stolen base. And again, being able to use him at second, at shortstop, in the middle, or as my third outfielder right now. Uh, Very, very good options there with Chris Taylor. Following that pick, uh, before we moved into the rest of the 10th round, I grabbed Frombert Valdez as my SP3. And Valdez is my most owned player so far across all of my leagues this year, all my redraft leagues this year. He is a guy who was very, very good in 2020, followed that up despite being injured for a while in 2021 with a good season. The whip climbed a little bit, but the ERA was good. Strikeouts are there, and they weren't there initially when he first came back. I think he was building up his arm strength, but this is a guy who is going to have a low ERA, a good enough whip, could win 15-plus games with that Astros team, should throw 150 plus innings, which should mean around 150 strikeouts or so. Um, not a stud by any means, but a very solid SP3. Probably isn't going to be any better than he was, but shouldn't be worse either. A very stabilizing SP3 for me. Uh, probably going to wait till the 200s or so before I grab an SP4. I want to try and fill out my outfield here a little bit. Maybe get a power bat and then get a stolen base bat again to kind of balance that out while also keeping average in mind. There's guys like Robbie Grossman out there who are intriguing because of the 2020 potential, but he hit in the 230s last year. Um, But then there's also guys like Andrew Benintendi who aren't going to steal as many bases, might hit a few less home runs, but he could hit in the 270s, right? So you've got to try and weigh that out. I might not go after either one. I might go after both, but those are the types of things you have to start debating with yourself is, is it worth 40 plus points in batting average from Benintendi to not maybe get as many homers or stolen bases? Um, So those are things to consider there. Catcher is something that's always interesting. Based on my build right now, I don't really want to wait around for the Gary Sanchez, Mike Zanino types, because although I might get 45 homers, I'm also going to get like a 210 batting average and that could crush my build. So I might look more like guys like Yadier Molina, uh, Alejandro Kirk, uh, Travis Darno, Mitch Garver, Elias Diaz, Omar Narvaez, those types. I might have mentioned someone twice there, but either way, you get the idea. Guys who are not going to kill the batting average, but can still give you some counting stats. Um, These are all guys going in the 200s to 300 range. Um, You could probably get Diaz, Murphy, and Sanchez in the 240 to 260 range. Uh, Zanino, Molina, those types are probably 260 to 280 range. Uh, Kirk and Darno are more in the 
215 to 240 range so there obviously there's different levels here uh still on the board though guys who adp are approaching guys like keeper ruiz and tyler stevenson even if they were to fall to me, I'm not sure I would take them, but at this point, I don't think they will fall to me. Ruiz is kind of that last catcher on the board, though, around pick 150. The once he goes, most owners are going to stay away from catcher, not even bother for another three or four rounds. He's like the last of the really solid catchers who could produce uh, across the board for you, other than stolen bases, of course. There's only one or two catchers who are going to do that for you. Uh, but yeah, basically at this point, I just need to fill out certain things, uh, certainly take some late closer shots as well. Um, I might want to get an RP two, but then after that, as I'm drafting my bench, I'll probably be looking at some, uh, speculation guys who could either be in a timeshare or get the job eventually. Uh, that's just kind of a way to try and save myself from having to spend a ton of fab on closers throughout the season. That was one of my downfalls last year in TGFBI was uh, the one closer I got who I thought was going to be money for me was Nick Anderson. He got injured before the season began, and I was chasing saves all year long. I must have spent 50 to 60% of my fab budget on saves. Some worked out, some didn't, but it really hurt me when it came to uh, you know being able to use it on other things that I needed. So this year, I'm going to try to avoid that by getting the locked-in guys and then taking uh, dart throws on guys who I can either cut really easily or who could end up walking into saves for me. And that pretty much wraps up the first 10 rounds of the TGFBI for me so far. We'll do another episode when I'm at, you know, round 16 to 20 or so. So there's a little more content there for you. Hopefully you guys enjoyed, learned some things, can apply these strategies to your upcoming drafts. Again, this is the Counting Stats Podcast brought to you by DrRoto.com. I'm your host, Lou Landers. I encourage you all to go check out our fantasy baseball draft guide there. Really good stuff from a lot of great writers. Pretty much everything you could possibly need to try and dominate your drafts, win your leagues. Uh, Something we take a lot of pride in. So just want to remind you all to go check that out as well. Thanks for tuning in to the Counting Stats podcast. I'll catch you next time.